This is episode 11 of Geek Therapy Podcast. I'm your host, Josue Cardona. With me today is Andy Corrigan. He's editor and owner of thisismyjoystick.com, and he's a freelance writer that I recently found out about um, because there was this great article I found on IGN called Nino Kuni and Coping with Depression. And I really, really wanted to talk to him about this. And I looked him up and found a few other articles that I found really interesting. So I want to thank Andy Corrigan for being on the show. Thanks for being here, Andy. Not a problem. And uh, hello. I, I really liked the the Nino Kuni article. And I was surprised to see, I think I'm always surprised to see articles like that, you know, um, that, that put things into perspective, right? You're talking about something really deep and, and a really personal experience, which is depression. And I was surprised to see it on such a mainstream um, website like IGN. So could you just talk to us a little bit about the article and and, and what was going through your mind and, and really what you were trying to do with there? Yeah, well, I mean, it just, um, I was playing played the game I was reviewing for This Is My Joystick. Just as, as I was playing, I just kept getting all these like hints that like, what's, what's the message here behind the game? And when it got to the second part of the second example I used in my article about the, uh, the mechanic and what he was doing to his family and, and the reasons behind that, that's when I sort of, that's what I got, uh, saw the relevance between like my own history with depression and you know what the game the game's message was yeah it just it just sort of spoke to me instantly and then then the other pieces started falling in about what uh, Ollie was actually doing in the game so let's so so let's let's review what, what the game is about right it's about this little boy i don't remember how old he is exactly he's no, he's, he's pretty small i reckon he's under right? 10 right yeah he's he's very young and he has um, something that he does at the beginning. He goes out at night without permission. Yep. He uh, has an accident. His actions result in his, his mother having a heart attack. Um, yeah, yeah. So he, he, he sort of descends into this serious depression for three days. And he's got, he's got the, uh, the, the town's neighbors, you know, trying to rally around him. And he's, he's, he's not really interested. He just wants to wallow. And... Uh, he accidentally cries on his on his toy that his mother gave him, which comes to life in front of him. Um, has this awesome Welsh accent, uh, okay. and he reveals himself as Mister Drippy from from this parallel universe. And basically, he tells Ollie that if there's this evil in this other world called Shadar, um, and if Ollie helps him, he might stand a chance of um, resurrecting his mother from from the dead. And of course, that's motivation. Like that's the motivation in the game. That's why you're playing. Your goal is to essentially save this other woman. Who, if you save her, will most likely, hopefully, yeah. you know, revive revive your mother. Yes, that's pretty good motivation for for a video game. Yeah, and <laughs> for anything, you can you can see because like Ollie initially, he he's very reluctant to go to help uh, Drippy at first until Drippy tells him like you know your actions here could could resurrect your mother. So it's uh yeah that's that's good motivation for him to uh, to agree to go on this weird journey. So throughout the game, he he's really helping other people, and he gets to a point where you mentioned the the second mechanics, which have to do with emotions and feelings in a very very interesting way. So he actually gets this. So he becomes kind of a wizard, right? He yeah, has he, uh, access to magic. Yeah, the 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 way for him to beat Shadar is for him to become this uh, powerful wizard. Um, so to achieve that, he he falls into this cycle where he has to keep helping people he comes across in in this other world, 
most of the time they're lacking this, you know, like a, a quality, like they're lacking in confidence, enthusiasm, or, you know, just something as simple as love. And to fix them, he needs to go find someone who has too much of this quality or is brimming with it and borrow a slither of theirs and then pass it on to this other person. So, like, effectively, he's he's going around curing other people's depression. <laughs> and and in the game, they call it being brokenhearted. Yeah, it's you're mending broken hearts, which you yeah. know they they mention that quite a few times. Where... No, no, and and it's so interesting the way he does it in the game because he he doesn't just go sneak up on people and steal a piece of their heart. Yeah, he, he tells them, you know, you have a, a like a lot of enthusiasm, you have a lot of courage, do you mind? Or you have a lot of love. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah exactly. he, he he always asks their permission. And yeah. <laughs> it's 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 brilliant seeing this seeing him go from like it's something he has to do to progress the game to something he really wants to do. So like yeah. you, you start seeing these quips like partway in where it's like he he meets someone who's uh, who's like lacking confidence. He's like I have to mend this person. It's I thought that was a really cool and heartwarming thing. Yeah, and and I think uh, I think and you touch on this in your article is that this is probably one of the most blatant right and direct um commentaries on on emotion and feeling in a video game yeah like I mean, a lot of games do it indirectly but this just flat out does it yeah, right in your face it's just that uh, you know it, the message is clear from the first first time you do it and um it's it's just it struck me as well how all all the uh i can't remember how many are maybe eight or something eight different human qualities that he that he fixes and they're all things that depression cripples so that, that you know that was another thing that sort of went back to to my own history with with that illness and uh so nino kuti is just a, an all-around great game it's a beautiful game it's a fun game and all of this stuff that we're talking about now i think is is like icing on the cake right it's just extra it's a really really good game i don't know what what did you guys review it uh, was it a good review overall? yeah we don't have a on our site we don't really have a scoring system but i yeah it's yeah. Def, definite recommend um the I mean, I'm not sure if it's going to speak to everyone in the same way that it spoke to me. A couple of people in the like the IGN comments threads were, some of them really receptive, some of them didn't quite make it, and that's fine. That's up to people to interpret that how they want. But yeah, uh, it's to me that was what what made it an exceptional RPG rather than a, you know, like a standard JRPG. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and so in a in a broader sense, right? This is just one example of a way that that someone can really connect with a video game or relate to a video game, you know, with what they're going through in real life. And, and although you say, you know, you're past that, that stage, you know, of, uh, well, are you, are you, would you say that when you played the game, you were like past, you were remembering what it was like to be in a deep depression? Yeah. It was more of, um, so like previously when I used to like sink heavily into games, it would just be to escape from whatever, usually my own, my own brain. But uh, with this, because that's sort of behind me now, this was more of a, a cathart- not a sorry, a reflective experience rather than a cathartic one. So it was it was recognizing these things and and just thinking, you know, how it relates back. And it could be really powerful for somebody who who's maybe going through it right now yeah. because of how direct it is. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's a it's 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 a very relatable game, and a lot of that is to do with. Ollie. So, like in previous, in a lot of JRPGs, when they have a a depressed character or a depressed protagonist, they're always silent. They're always strong. You know, like Cloud. You know, Cloud from Final Fantasy VII has become that that stereotype 
of the you know the Japanese depressed uh, hero. I wrote a paper on him once. He has uh, he's a very interesting character. <laughs> yeah. Whereas to me, like uh, you know, I've, I I like Cloud a lot. I'm sat at a desk where I've got a big model of him. So, <laughs> but um, to me, Ollie uh, with his like his, his enthusiasm to help and his mechanisms for coping with his mother's death were you know made him very a lot more human than a lot of the other like cookie cutter protagonists you get these days yeah yeah so nino kuni highly recommended yes and and then um this other article that i found that, that you wrote that i really liked was uh depression and gaming a personal journey where you really go into into depth about what it was like for you and what gaming did for you during that time right could you could you go into a little bit about what, what you touched on in that article? Basically, uh, from even from a young age, really, when whenever I um, whenever anything bad was happening, I would always just sink my time into games and use it as a as an escape. But in my in my twenties, I I kind of did that a lot. Um, I wasn't really diagnosed with depression until like mid twenties. Okay. And at that point, I realized that I'd been suffering from it you know for quite a time before that probably just before my 20s quite heavily so whenever I would sink into these like spells where I didn't want to leave the house I would just put in a game and forget my troubles and a lot of the a lot of the times that would give me a bit of a uh, bit of a boost to, to sort of resume normality after after a play session uh, I, I work with people with depression and sometimes it's really hard to find something that, that that makes them feel anything right that that really just um anything that they enjoy at all so i guess i guess it was really good that you were able to identify that gaming could do that for you right that it could give you those bursts and that it was something that you enjoyed even during maybe a really hard time yeah it, it, it would always give me this um like it's like a shot in the arm you know and i'd be able to sort of go out and meet my mates with more you know happier rather than just nothing it was uh it at least had me feeling something and i know it's a very uh different experience for everybody but were there any games in particular that really helped you out during that time uh well tons really but uh bioshock um bayonetta for as mm -hmm. you know silly as that game can get sometimes yes yes um <laughs> a lot of fun but yeah again it's just a it's another just a different world that you can just escape to and it's you know like you say it's all about fun and it's yeah. impossible you know it's impossible not to come away with a <laughs> a smile after playing that game um yeah. street fighter 4 yeah. that was a really important one for me because i hit probably my worst period for like, over a six month time and i just sank all my time into that playing online every every chance i got yeah this it's i said like with Nino Kuni, I think it's rare when a game can can speak to you in that sense. Yeah, yeah. But we're seeing more of it now with with like um, Spec Ops: The Line. That that's another one that's you know dealing with serious real world things as a commentary. Which I think it's great to see gaming growing in that that way. Yeah, um, a game um, I recently finished the Unfinished Swan on PlayStation. So it's very interesting because it's um, the first thing that happens. It's like a storybook, and you find out that this this boy, um, he lives with his mother, who's an artist, and she's a painter, and she paints. She never finishes any paintings. She always leaves them like half done, 
And then the first thing that happens in the story really is that she dies and he gets sent away to like a foster home and he's allowed, he's not allowed to take anything from his home except one painting from his mother. Um, so that, I mean, that, that's a real world issue. Like a lot of people can relate to that. And the whole story is him like through his dreams going through his mother's unfinished paintings through this story that she kind of weaved for him. And at the end of the game, he gets his closure from really going through his mother's art, a closure that he, uh, you get from the beginning of the game that he really couldn't get um, any other way. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good example. Yeah. Let me see, another one. I mean, Heavy Rain is another game where, I mean, the whole, the whole um, what is it, the motivation behind the character is that at the beginning of the game, you're, you're actually put in a position where you have to plan a birthday party for your son, and then in the second act of the game, your son is kidnapped and throughout the rest of the game, you're actually trying to find out who took him and you're trying to save him. And depending on how you play the game, you, you do or, or, or you don't. So, yeah, definitely gaming is, is maturing a lot and not maturing in the sense that, you know, we see in the news about how it's all, you know, photorealistic uh, military violence and things like that. It's really the themes are growing up. Yeah, there's, there's, some, there's some really great stories, you know, coming through. And, that, you know, that was something that, that I've I've really enjoyed seeing evolve as as gaming's as gaming's grown. Um, you know, we used to get all these like B movie style things back in the nineties, and there's this real quality writing now. Yes, yes, absolutely. And it's it's all relatable writing too. It's not you know there's a there's always something you can see in there that will that can grab you. In. I I think it has a lot to do with the fact that you know gaming is maturing, but so are. So are the people who play the games, right? So as we're getting older, we want themes that are more mature. And I think that gaming as a, as a, as a coping mechanism, right, or as something to, to you know, just, just feel something or be entertained. So it goes, it goes into all ages now because, you know, we're, we're not kids anymore and we're talking about, about video games in a really serious um, way and, and in a really helpful therapeutic way, which is great. Another thing you mentioned in, in the Depression and Gaming article was that the game became a catalyst, right? So it became a catalyst for you eventually getting better. Yeah. Could you, could you talk a little about that? Yeah, um, just through, through playing online, I was part of a, um, an old gaming community, which uh, can't, I don't think it's around anymore. But through that, I met uh, a couple of really good friends who actually lived just like in the next town over from me. And it was through them that I, I eventually got convinced to go, go talk to the doctor about what I was experiencing. Yeah, they, uh, they were, they were pretty much the the catalyst. But we only met through, because we were all gamers, hmm. and playing the same games, and you know, organizing nights on and things like those. Yeah, it was a weird time, but at the same time, it was probably the best thing. So playing online, you were talking about how you were feeling, and then somebody brought up like, "Man, you should get that checked out." Something no, like that. It, was, it was more. Um, I would play with play with these guys, and then when I found out, I, I, um, a couple of them lived near me. I then started, you know, we started meeting up and hanging out and stuff. And mm. as they got to know me, this, you know, this sort of stuff came out, and yeah. they were like, you know, they were they were battering me for a while before I actually went. <laughs> and then it was just the uh, eventually I was like yeah you're right I need to go I need to go speak to someone and, and that's a great example of something that I, I, I tell my clients sometimes if they don't if they don't want to leave the house or they really don't want to socialize 
I mean, you can still, you're socializing online. You, you can make friends that way, or you can at least meet up with friends and family that way from the comfort of your own home, doing something fun and entertaining. And, and again, that could lead to something else. So, so for you, that led to eventually going out and, and spending time outside of, of your house with these people. And then, and then that helped you out. Yeah, definitely. Um, that, you know, that was the, the path that got me on the, the medication that, that helped me for, for a couple of years before I, uh, I decided I didn't need it anymore, which was, which came along with a lot of positive changes, like me being in Australia yeah. and marrying my wife. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I want I want to like bridge the gap here to to the last article that I wanted to to ask you about. So this one was <laughs> this article is called uh, "We'll Always Have Borderlands." Yeah. So I I think this is a great story, and it's something that really ties into what we were just saying. I mean, you can you can really connect with people online, and and those experiences. I know that a lot of people like to diminish them. You know, it's like, though they're not real people or you're not really, they're not really your friends, but, they, but they can be, you know? So can you tell us a little bit about, about that story? Yeah. Um, after, um, sort of in, interacting with the girl who's, who's now my wife, I, uh, I came over to Australia for a short holiday. Um, we, you know, to decide how we'd, you know, get on living together and, you know, we spent two weeks living together in a hotel room, um, and to just, to try and decide whether like the fruits of what we had were worth taking any further. So at the end of the two weeks, I, it, I wasn't planning it, but I ended up proposing in the most unromantic way possible. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I, I then had to go back to England to sort out, uh, visas, sort out the property I own there and, you know, earn the money to, to get back over here, which, uh, unfortunately took, six months so we both being gamers she was already playing it before I, I met her so we decided to start playing Borderlands at co-op together online mm-hmm. um, and we pretty much did everything that was possible to do in it over the, over the six month period uh, every achievement um, and it was it was just the the thing we did every weekend that kept us interacting and working together and, and communicating it was, uh, yeah, because of that, the, it's a, you know, it's, it's a game with silly humor and, you know, comical stuff, but it's, it's a game in that sense that mean, means a lot to me. So instead of just talking on the phone or Skyping over the weekend, yep. um, video chatting, you, you, you played this game and, and for people who don't know what Borderlands is, it's a, it's essentially a first person shooter where you can play with up to three other people and you're progressing through missions and you can level up and there's a lot to do in, in those games. So, so instead of just talking on the phone, you, you guys went on adventures together yeah, and we, you could still talk while you were doing it. Yeah, we, uh. We explored every inch of the Pandora wasteland, and so I pretty much saw everything there was to do. And yeah, it was a good good basis as well for like, you know, showing that we can work together and communicate effectively. And as uh, you know, as cheesy as that sounds, it was a it was all possible because of because of that game. Oh, that's not cheesy. You've given me the idea for like a couples retreat. Borderlands <laughs> 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 weekend. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Oh man, and 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 I love that story because just recently, I mean, you're talking about Borderlands 1, Borderlands 2 came out last year. Yep. And 
I recently, well, I moved to, to a new state about a year ago and friends of mine from who I used to work with years ago contacted me and told me, oh, we bought Borderlands 2. There's three of us playing. We've each picked our classes. Um, we need a fourth guy. Do you, do you want to play? And I said, no, I don't, I don't really, I didn't really play the first one a lot. I don't, I don't know. But just the idea of playing with them again or like socializing with them, essentially, it would take me seven hours to drive to see them. So I bought the game and we started playing. And for a few months, I mean, we, we talked about everything over, over the course of the game. We went through all the missions together. It was, it was such a good experience to just really connect with my friends again. I never usually play with strangers, but just to have that experience. And it was a lot more fun, I guess, maybe because... I don't know, maybe guys don't, don't sit around, you know, do you think that we wouldn't, I know that I wouldn't talk to them on the phone for, for three or four hours, but when we played the game, uh, we talked about if they had any dates or what was going on at work, and it was, it was just so much fun, and it was such a good experience to really, I, I felt like I'd connected with my friends again after so many years in, in a way that, that I wasn't able to, that I wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Yeah, it just because it, it just wouldn't have worked out. Any other way yeah. had you had you not taken the plunge to to buy the game? Absolutely, and it's a fun game. Also, oh, highly that recommend helps. it. That by helps. The way. That helps. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's had had the other effects. Like we've got a a cat now, and she's called Moxie, who you should know <laughs> from the game. That's great. That's great. A character from the game. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. So, Andy, thank you so much for really coming on the show talking about not only your articles but your personal experience i really think that you know the more we talk about mental disorders and 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 that whole experience i i really hope that people will listen to this podcast or or, or read your articles and either relate to them or or just see that you know what it's it's okay to talk about what i'm, what I'm feeling you know it's really good that um I, th- I think that what you're doing is is a big service towards eliminating a lot of stigma around depression specifically. So I really, I really, really thank you for that. Uh, not a problem. It's just uh, I just <laughs> felt it would make a good article, and and uh, the fact that it helps people is a you know is a, is a really nice bonus. So if anybody wants to. Um, get in touch with you or um, follow you online, um, where should they go? Yep, they can uh, follow me on Twitter on uh, T-I-M-J underscore Andy. Um, or they can check out mine and the other team's work at thisismyjoystick.com. Um, we've got a whole load of great opinion-based articles going up on there. All right, so again, thank you. Thank you so much, Andy. This has been uh, episode 11 of the Geek Therapy podcast. If you want to know more about Geek Therapy, visit geektherapy.com or follow us on Twitter at Geek Therapy. Thank you.